Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of Undisturbed. Politics is in itself very complicated. It doesn't have anything to do with formulas and equations that could describe natural phenomena. Social movements create out of necessity, but who can say what exactly creates a movement? A movement sometimes gets created to solve an issue, but most of the time it comes to existence to challenge numerous issues of the social order. In 1970s and 1980s, many radical movements popped up all around the world. Many of these movements were the result of modernity and its pluralism, and some were the result of specific operations or exploitations. You can see them as political cultures. They differ according to the language they speak, the political atmosphere they're experienced in, and every other historical or cultural factor of the society one could imagine. What interests me these days is to know how an activist who migrates to another country can integrate themselves in the new political scene. For me, it's been very challenging. Social issues change radically from south to north, and your political identity might be reduced to an inferior in a matter of days. But some can survive this identity crisis and would be successful in combining two different politic cultures into one. For this episode, I talked with Garip Bali, a Kurdish activist from Turkey who didn't want to focus much on his nation and ethnicity, but more on his socio-political existentialism. In 1971, and when Garip was eight years old, he moved to Germany. His new life in Germany made him an activist, mixing a lot of Kurdish struggle traditions with German politics. I held the interview with him in Turkish and spent a lot of time translating his words, but in the end, I decided to summarize the interview myself, although Garib touches many, many issues that I couldn't possibly get deeper on in an undisturbed yeah, episode. I met Garib in an office in Berlin, Kreuzberg, where he made me some black tea. With absolutely no blah blah, he started talking with me about his life, a biography of growing up as a migrant and eventually becoming their voice. Malatya'dan 
Köyden geldim direkt. Yani annem babam köylüydü. Orada ilkokulda işte bir iki sınıfa gittim. Buraya geldikten sonra tekrar e, okula sıfırdan başladım sayılır. E, büyük bir aileden geliyorum. Altı kardeşim var. Garip comes from a village in Turkey's Malatya. His parents were from the village, workers and activists. He has six siblings, all of which are also activists. He told me he is from an Alavid family, but he doesn't want this to express his character. Also, because he doesn't consider himself a typical Alavid. For example, he told me that he couldn't speak Kurdish and he'd rather consider himself a socialist or a communist. He set himself primarily to fight capitalism as he believes that in the countries under capitalism rule, the order is chaos, inequality, oppression and exploitation. In 1961, Germany signed a contract with Turkey to receive quote-unquote guest workers from this country. This concept was used in official correspondences till 1973. Throughout the mid-70s, more than 2 million Turkish workers immigrated to Germany. These workers were supposed to work in Germany for five years and then go back. But this was rarely the case as immigrants wanted to stay in Germany. So according to Garib, the German government denied the rights of these delegalized workers even in state propaganda. Then the state started awarding 10,000 German marks to those who wanted to go back to their country. But few people were using this option. The community of immigrants from Turkey dreamed of going back to their countries, but many factors such as financial questions stopped them to do so. Through 1973, many of these workers could also bring their families to Germany through laws such as family reunification. This whole system of importing guest workers was very beneficial to the German state. They are still calling for skilled workers to migrate to Germany and stay here. But although capitalism was benefiting, a conservative ideology of capitalism was vouching against migration. Garib quoted a CDU politician who had said children instead of Indians. Many other German politicians also believed that Germany should invest more in German children rather than inviting foreigners to work here. This is a time that Garib started being active. He's been an activist since eight years old, but the inequality and ill treatment of immigrants had many people organized against such a discriminating system. At that time, mid-1970s till mid-1990s, massive organizations were breaking out 2,000 kilometers away from Berlin in Turkey. Political activities and associations were forming, sympathizing with political organizations that existed there. But these new formations were not only political, but also cultural formations, sport groups, and educational associations. In the interview with me, Garib focused more on the political groups, especially those that were leftist, communist, socialist and revolutionary. In the mid-1970s, Garib was helping these organizations. One of them was called Devrimci Yol, or Revolutionary Way, in Turkey. <laughs> 
There was also an association related to that organization called Devrimchi Ishchi or Revolutionary Worker, which was an overseas organ of Devrimchi Yul. Garib started being an active member of Devrimchi Ishchi that followed two main strategies, supporting the workers' struggle in Turkey and the immigration struggle in Germany. In Turkey, two main military coups changed the political culture, one in 1971 and another in 1980. In the post-Junta repression in Turkey, which led to arresting and executing many socialist activists after 1985, many support groups in Turkey became passive. This gave Garip a chance to focus more on his activities in support of anti-racist movement in Germany. As a student, they represented the student movement in Germany with a bleak on Turkish-Kurdish question. After leaving university, he continued his work around a new magazine called ADA that was published in Kreuzberg neighborhood in Berlin, and its line was to protest against Nazism and fascism, which was still hegemonic after World War II. They were also giving computer classes in Technik University in Berlin. Garib studied electric engineering there. He says they started something eye-catcher there. In the 90s, they also founded another magazine called Initiative Against Racism. At the same time, they were raising awareness about the political prisoners in Turkey. The interesting thing is that they didn't ignore the reality of being a part of German left. For this reason, they also took part in the housing movement that was blooming in 70s and 80s. Since 1970, there were many occupied accommodations in Berlin. I talked with Harald, a member of this movement, to tell me more about it. Um, it was in 1970 and 1968 was the, um, the high level of the student, student rebellion and uh, it was more... Uh, Um, decreasing this uh, this movement, but uh, it was um, and um, a lot of different uh, organizations. And um, at the university, I've become into contact with activists from my. Um, I've studied at that time physics. Uh, there was also a group, and um, I've, uh, we have organized, uh, or we have participated in some demonstration. Um, it was um, main, one of the main topics was the uh, Vietnam War and from the United States, and um, also at that in that in that years, uh, for example. Uh, in Greece, there have been uh, military dictatorship. Um, and also You can listen to my interview with Harold on the podcast channel page where you get this podcast. There were big organizations and mobilizations at this time in Berlin and especially in Berlin's Kreuzberg. Tens of thousands of people took part in mobilizations and demonstrations around the housing issues. Like many other Garib used occupied houses to organize their political work. But Garib says these were by no means their only activities in and with the society. They went to cafes and bars and played theater performances with political messages related to their movement. Güçlüydü o dönem. Ben ve kardeşlerim hepimiz farklı tiyatro 
oyunlarında yer aldık. Veya folklor çalışmalarına aktif katıldık. Veya eğitim çalışmalarına her zaman katıldık. Garip and his siblings were particularly interested in theater and were enthusiasts of doing folklore activities. They went to Paris and Copenhagen, among other places, to hold theater performances. A bit more background from Garib on the situation inside of Turkey at this time. The beginning of 1970s marked the rise of militant organizations in Turkey. At least three organizations appeared in solidarity with the famous activist faces, people such as Deniz Gezmiş, Yusuf Aslan and Mahir Chayan. Garib reminds us that such blooming of the left militancy was a result of the empowerment of workers' organizations, such as TIP, since 1960s. The worker organizations were so powerful at this time, they could enter the parliament. A revolutionary fraction of TIP started their own militant revolutionary organizations in 1970s. But the government then couldn't afford to deal with them through talks and negotiations. As said, from 75 to 80, there were many strong revolutionary organizations in Turkey. Some were pro-Russian, some pro-China, and some independent. Devrim Çiyul was one of them, and somehow independent, and Garib was among the team in Devrim Çiyul. They were one of the most powerful among Turkish organizations. According to Garib, they didn't believe in killing people they didn't like. They were more interested in organizing people in schools, on the street, and also education against racism. Their motto was all the power to the people. At some point, a leftist guy could make it as the mayor of Fatsa, a small city in the Black Sea region. He got 72% of the votes and became the mayor, and he immediately started organizing people committees throughout the city. This was eight months before the 1980 junta. Garib remembers that actually one of the main objectives of the junta in Turkey was to take down Fatsa. A big fight happened there. On July 8, 1980, the Turkish soldiers surrendered and broke down on Fatsa. More than a thousand people were prosecuted in mass prosecutions. Thousands of revolutionaries were killed or prosecuted at this time. The mayor himself died in the prison. Garib was reflecting these accounts on his German Ada while raising awareness about the leftist opposition and leftist movement against the Order of Soldiers. If you are interested to know what happened to the TIP or Turkey's Workers' Party, you can listen to one account from Tilve. You can simply find her in the channel page of Undisturbed. Just a reminder, the accounts I provide on my podcast are only parts of the movement they represent. They should by no means be generalized to draw conclusions about their movements. Also, my episodes are short and therefore cannot draw a picture of the whole of someone's political identity. Undisturbed only provides single accounts of situations. Garib told me more about what they were doing in Germany. They started initiatives against racist measures of German government against immigrants. Things such as the whole concept of integration. At that time, most of the concepts on immigration in Germany were circling about the idea of integration. It was a propaganda. It was not creating a change in the life of refugees and immigrants. It wasn't based on good deeds on the part of the decision makers. The idea was that the foreigners are not as civilized as Germans. 
Many things about the culture of the foreigners were criticized in this understanding. Foreigners were generally taken as people who were aggressive toward women, had backward thought, who were usually criminals. This concept of integration therefore emerged to make the foreigners real humans. So this concept was actually covering up for a big problem, which was racism. Garib started a campaign called Integration Nine Danke, or Integration No Tanks. In this campaign, they documented these racist measures as well as racial killings of more than 150 people among years. This campaign got a lot of attention at that time. The ideology of integration was also much discussed among the immigrants themselves. They thought the concept is created to give them a better life. Garib and his friends were challenging all these, and for pragmatic reasons, he didn't go into the details of this activity, but he was bound to tell me more. Garib roughly told me, After that, most of my activities were around racism and racial issues. After the fall of the Berlin Wall, German nationalism was being reconstructed. It consisted of a different meaning than before. One very clear sign of German nationalistic patriotism was the opposition toward immigrants that showed itself very openly in the NSU attacks in the 2000s and 2010, in which immigrants were systematically murdered by fascists, and the police system did little to stop the attacks or clarify them as it should have. Later, we found out that in those tens of systematic attacks between 2007 and 2011 that were allegedly organized by the NSU organization, many policemen had a role or tried to cover up traces of activity. The documents about the role of the police in such attacks were sometimes mysteriously burned or somehow destroyed. We all know what happened in Rostock-Lichtenhagen in 1992. Incidents as such are actual riots from the fascists against migrants. At one point, there was a building full of Vietnamese nationals that was put on fire. Nazis organized many incidents in which the houses of immigrant families were set on fire. Many families burned to ashes in the course of a few nights. Hundreds of people were involved in organizing these attacks. At the same time, as we now know, tens of Nazis took part in the Federal Office for the Protection of the Constitution, or, in another instance, an official worker for a high government intelligence organization was found out to be working closely with Nazis. The same thing happened with the National Democratic Party of Germany. The government saw the need to restrict the activities of this racist party, but they couldn't because some members of the government were working hand-in-hand hand with them. There are many good movies based on the evidence of close ties between federal government members in Germany and Nazi organizations. These organizations also had a big role in defining asylum and immigration law as well as residency law in Germany. Those racist attacks, as well as the recent ones like the incident in 2020 in Hanau, seem like atomized incidents that are not connected to each other. But there are actually wide racist and fascist networks in Germany that are very well connected with each other. The investigation on which is sometimes blocked by the German authorities. 
At some point, we had to argue that the German government had a part in actually causing these numerous racist attacks and incidents. But apart from that, we needed white networks to fight these attacks. We organized using our phones. On weekends, we did patrols in metro stations. Also, in response to this atmosphere, a group emerged called Antifa Genschlik, which translates to anti-fascist youth. The members were political activists working in different organizations, but they all came together creating this new organization. I supported them in the streets and in our magazines. In this organization, we were not only fighting the German Nazis, but also Turkish fascists. This caused a double persecution from the German police. Antifa Genschlik got a lot of attention in the political scene in Germany, because it was a grassroots organization with a very different structure than others. Antifa Genschlik was a prominent organization that ended its work in the 1990s, but there are dozens of movies and books about it, even until now. Antifa Genschlik's place was a lot more than before siyasallaşmışlar ama kendi örgütlerinin kendi örgütlerinden bağımsız olarak antifaş gençlik olarak yeni bir örgütlenme yeni bir mücadele biçimi geliştirmeyi tercih ettiler. Doğru da buluyorum. Katıldım da destekledim de sürekli. I ask Arif what are the differences between being a political activist in Turkey and being one in Germany. In answer he said first of all the conditions are different. Because of the state repression, it's not easy to express your ideas in a country like Turkey. But on the other hand, and existentially speaking, being a revolutionary in Turkey is much easier than in Germany. Because of the social welfare in Germany, people live a more laid-back life. While in Turkey, living a day-to-day life is harder and people can easier see and feel the exploitation. An activist who moves to a country in which they have a better chance of making ends meet might as a result become less active or even passive. Garib said this was the reason that many of his radical revolutionary comrades who were active in Turkey and moved to Germany became passive after a while. One another important point is that for a revolutionary struggle, a long-lasting and long-term approach is necessary and this is hard in both countries at the moment. According to Garib, an important strategy of an anti-racist organization is to criticize the racism. But what should one do if they are to go beyond that and actually and effectively change the racist behavior in the society at large and create a more equal society concerning the race issue? He said at first, it is necessary to break racist structures and practices in the society. For this, we need to organize. At the same time, it's important to consider that in this way, seeing the German society as enemy takes us nowhere. Garib says that's why he takes some distance from the many contexts created against being white. This creates an imbalance that puts the non-white person on a victim side and labels them. On the other hand, it's too simplistic to call every white person as fascist. He said this might work in short time, but... It is not a solution for a long-term struggle. As an analogy, one cannot criticize guys for the problems that women experience in the society. That will take us nowhere.
In the end, I asked Garib to mention a moment in which he took part in the organization of an event, something that can be considered as one of his good memories of his active political life. He remembered that they organized an event spontaneously and in two or three days. On September 27, 2009, when Angela Merkel was casting her vote for the parliament, a group of 13 people went to the place in front of Humboldt University. These people were wearing a t-shirt with one letter on it, and standing next to each other, they assembled the word Wahlrechtslos, means with no right to vote. This event got very famous in Turkey because Hurriyet paper in Istanbul made it a headline, although most of the German media outlets intentionally blocked publishing such news. Garib says it was definitely a big event. Garib went on with much more details in his interview with me about what he has been doing. Unfortunately, I don't have the resources to translate the interview and publish it. But an originally Turkish version of his very interesting talk is available through the link in the description of this episode. If you need more information about this in German, there is also a link for you in the description. To me, it was fascinating listening to Garib. He is now helping to run ABBA, an anti-racist front in Berlin that takes part in organizing demonstrations with tens of thousands of participants. He is still a very active member of the anti-racist movement in Berlin and helps support immigrants and people on the move, among others. It was an honor for me to talk with him. If you also know someone I should talk with for my show, please send an email to undisturbed at medianfieldfalt.net. Undisturbed is another podcast from Colorful Voices by Netzwerk Media and Vielfalt, but runs on public donations. All derivatives which include honoring the producers are possible in line with Creative Commons. I wish you a good time and leave you in solidarity. <laughs>